we're in what they're what they call the crypto winter, so to speak, is yep. where people get out of it and they're kind of there, but a lot of like consolidation happens and you know, it's pretty much like every three years, like you can look at the chart and it goes you know, it goes up and then it comes back down, but not completely, it retraces. Yeah. And then it goes up again. And then so I mean, without clockwork, um, usually centered around like the Bitcoin happenings which I think the next one is 2024 might be the next happening. Yeah. So I would expect like the next six months to a year will be a good time to accumulate. It might come down a little bit, but you know, I think when the next run is gonna happen, it's probably gonna hit like break 100,000. So you're here today, Mr. Jason Freer to talk about cryptocurrency. Yes, love crypto. Um, how much money have you made on crypto? <laughs> um, well, you know, I don't know if I want to share it because I'm not sure if I did my taxes correctly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, now they're coming after you either way. Uh, yeah, but um, you know, probably not as much as I could have if if I sort of learned, you know, if I, you know, if I knew now what what I, um, you know what I know now, what I, what I did back then, you know, but because you would have like traded in or in and out. Well, I would have just, I would have just held, Okay. you know, so my first, um, you know, I started getting back in and, or first into it in 2012. Um, and probably 2011, 2012. And I think I, I bought my first Bitcoin, I think it was at like 70 bucks was Bitcoin. And I bought 10 or 12 of them. And so, like, what? You know, it's like, it was like $1,000. Like, all right, I'm going to put $1,000 into this. And, um, you know, within a short period of time, when I think. Was, what year was that? I think it was 2011, 2011, 2012. I bought it on Coinbase. So it was like one of the, you know, Coinbase is still around, this biggest crypto exchange now. I bought it on Coinbase. And, um, you know, I didn't, I think, like, it probably dropped down to 20 bucks, And, like, I kind of just forgot about it and then when that first like sort of cycle came around where I think it spiked up to about 900 bucks um you know I was like oh shit like I think I was like all right I'm selling like I only put in a thousand bucks now I have ten thousand bucks like thank you you know sure. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna cash out like a thousand percent gains like never apologize for that um and I think I held on to like maybe one or two um and uh, I dabbled in like some Litecoin, um, and uh, and so you Is know Litecoin that, doing anything these days? Uh, not really. Like so, and that's when I sort of I think it was in 2015, 2016. One of our web developers was like talking about Ethereum, and so I, I started getting back in. I was like, yeah, I got some Bitcoin, blah blah blah, and he was sort of explaining it to me, and I was like, I was like, dang, okay, this sounds like really legit. So like. Um, I think it was like 12 bucks. And so, you know, I had a little bit more money then. So I put in, um, I think probably maybe like 10, $15,000 into ether when it was, um, when it was at like, yeah. I think 16 bucks was like <laughs> my average. So like I had like a good amount and, um, and so I had learned a little bit about like not, selling too early be um and so i just watch it i mean it and it you know 
that was the first sort of, I think, 2017 cycle when it was, like, really going on. I think it peaked maybe at, like, 800. Um, but I did, like, I sold a lot along the way. So, I mean, I definitely, like, cleared, like, six figures trading crypto. Yeah. Um, and but I still have just a ton in there because I think like I'm yeah, just yeah. like uh it's gonna keep going. So but like I said, if I just kept what I had now, like I would be even You wouldn't more you'd be out. You wouldn't even be working here yeah. anymore. Well no. no, of course I would. Of course I would. When was your first uh Facebook post? Because I know like you know, you don't write any newsletters for us, but you uh you kinda have like, you know, built a small following, uh a personal following <laughs> right. on Facebook because you're like telling your you know, your it, friends to, to buy crypto and now you have people who hit you up and are. Yeah, I think um, I think it was 2011. Um, and, you know, I would make snarky comments like, oh, like Bitcoin is never going to be. Um, I was like, it's super cheap at two hundred dollars, yeah. you know. And I mean, like, yeah. I mean, and you, any, were kind of, you were saying that like in jest. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Well, because I think um, I think it was when it fell down to. um it was like it spiked up. The first spike was like to 900 bucks. Yeah. And that was when it really started catching like mainstream. And it was like the first like sort of Bitcoin craze. And uh, and then it had felt fall down to, you know, like 200 bucks. And then that's when I was kind of like, man, I don't know, man. Like and I really started researching and I was like, yeah, this got something here. Like and so two hundred dollars is, I think, when I really started like, you know, telling people about it. Um and um, the interesting thing was that people, um, you know, on social media, you know, only a fraction of the people actually engage on a post, right? And it's like, I don't know, your mom and your buddies or whatever like that. Um, but a lot of people like read them, yeah. right? That just don't engage at all. And so, um, you know, I would see people like, in the in real life and they like especially after like crypto would spike and they'd be like dude like bitcoin yeah and i'm like oh yeah and they're they're like yeah you were posting about it like i got some and now i'm I'm like oh okay so i was like man like people are actually like paying attention to what's going on here and so like (laughs) people started like dming me and texting me about like the crypto stuff and you know i you know, especially friends of mine, I'm not, you know, I don't know their financial situation. So like, I I don't want people to, you know, if they only have, you know, $1,500 to their name, like, I'm not gonna sure. be like, yeah, put it all into into this Dogecoin or whatever. Um, so I'm just like, yeah, like, I like Bitcoin. Here's what I did. Like, you know, I'm in these coins. And then, you know, and then they inevitably, like when it would spike, They'd be like, should I sell? Should I sell? And then when it would fall, they'd be like, oh, man, what, you know what I mean? What's going on? And so I got, I I got to learn the sort of the um, crowdsourced um, behavior of like the crypto market, like early on, just based on anecdotal information from like friends and family. Well, I would guess that people were generally hitting you up the most when Bitcoin was at its peak. Oh, yeah. And then they're probably a little bit more quiet now. Yeah. I mean, so I, what's crazy is, I mean, what, you know, attracts me to Angel is the, um, you know, the contrarian philosophy. And over the years, particularly with crypto, I have sort of developed a contrarian indicator system based on like 
friends and family and also like news right sure so it's the old uh um, yeah john, so, john kennedy uh his was his, his taxi driver his limo driver or whatever yeah he's uh, asking for stock tips uh, it's like i mean human nature doesn't change yeah. right it's absolutely they, so um so is now a good time to buy bitcoin's down 70 70 plus percent absolutely yeah. absolutely um now would be is the time to get into crypto 100%. If you know the time was obviously you know 10 years ago or whatever, yeah. but then now's the time when it's out of favor to, to absolutely do it and it's like pulling teeth. So, um, and so if I'll like tell if people ask me about it and I tell them and they're like, eh, well, I'm gonna wait and see, then I'm like, okay, like now's the time to get in because. Yeah. It's crickets during this time, but then when it starts to spike up, like I'll start getting the thing, and then that's like kind of my indicator to sell. Yeah, you know what I mean. Oh, hey, I know this new coin. Oh man, this, 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 and I'm like, that's when I start taking money off the table because I'm just like, okay, you know, not I, you know, my friends and family, I love them, but they're not very sophisticated, they're, and I don't know the normies, where. you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there, when it's reached that point where just random people are talking about it in the grocery store and at Thanksgiving was the big thing, like, then you know, like it's kind of like it's time to kind of take money off the table. Oh. Bitcoin's been pretty stable, right? Like for what since like June. Yeah, I feel like it's been the most stable that it's been, and I kind of wonder if that's like actually good for it as a in terms of like potentially being adopted as a currency? Well, what's crazy is I think this year it's been one of the least volatile mm -hmm. assets. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like usually it's like, oh, it's down 50%. It's uh, it's up 70% or down at whatever. But um, I think Bitcoin has outperformed the market this year, but only like it's up like 3% or something. Okay. Um, you know, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but at least in the past six months, yeah. it's been like... Yeah, I think it's been like basically since June, it has mm -hmm. been kind of flat while the rest of the market has continued. Yeah, to and you look down. at like even oil has gone from, you know, 75 up to like 120 and like back down. So a lot of these, um, it is sort of stabilizing, um, but it's more so... Um, I think it's just it's kind of gone out of favor, but there's still it's building that base. So I think the next run is going to probably not be quite as percentage wise as stuff in the past, but yeah. it's still going to be huge sure. relatively. And so we're in what they're what they call the crypto winter, so to speak, is yeah, where people I... get out of it and they're kind of there. But a lot of like consolidation happens and you know it's pretty much like every three years like you can look at the chart and it goes you know it goes up and then it comes back down but not completely it retraces yeah and then it goes up again and then so i mean without clockwork um usually centered around like the bitcoin happenings which i think the next one is 2024 might be the next happening yeah. so i would expect like the next six months to a year will be a good time to accumulate it might come down a little bit but you know i think when the next run's going to happen it's probably going to hit like break a hundred thousand yeah i feel like a good time to sell is right before the happening right because it's like everyone's it yeah it runs up to it um and so i think you know people do notice the patterns so there's you know a lot of trying to preempt that kind of stuff but overall like it's just popularity in that space like tends to tends to sort of build around around those happenings. But there's also just the economics of it because the difficulty of mining gets harder yeah. during that time. So there's actually real live, you know, economics going into that. 
What about uh, Ethereum? So I, yeah, I love Ethereum more than Bitcoin. Um, I, uh, I own the most Ethereum, um, partially because there is sort of a group of developers that that will upgrade Ethereum based on various, um, you know, hurdles that like Bitcoin hasn't changed since it started. They don't even know the dude who invented it is like probably dead or whatever. Like they don't know. Yeah. And so that's good in a way because it can't be changed. You kind of know what to expect. Um, but Ethereum, um, you know, especially nowadays, but Bitcoin and a lot of these mining cryptos sort of get a, a bad rep from the like ESG, like environmentalist crew, like, oh, it's a, uh, you know, it, it costs so much to mine and like, oh, you're killing the planet and all this kind of stuff. Um, so Ethereum just went through probably its biggest upgrade um, ever, which was its move from, uh, it, they called it the merge. So it's a move from the intensive mining process what they call proof of work to now what they call call proof of stake. Um, so it reduced the energy consumption of, you know, securing the network by like 99.5%. So um, there's really no um, reason that sort of, oh, uh, crypto is, is bad for the environment has been taken off the table. And not only that, but it, um, that upgrade has made Ethereum deflationary. So, you know, Bitcoin, there's only going to be 21 million ever mined, um, but the supply is sort of slowly coming on mar- coming to market, but you kind of know there's a cap at 21 million. Ether, um, there wasn't really a hard cap, and depending on, like, how, you know, different economics in the um, network – you know, the supply would grow or shrink. And so, but now it is basically reached the point um, where it's, the supply is being taken off the market yeah. because there's no more mining. So, you know, before you would mine and the miners would get paid, new ether would be minted. And you would also get, you know, portions of the transaction fees when you do transactions. Now it is like 100% you're getting paid on the transaction fees and there's no real mining fees. And basically, the more Ether you own, the more you can, um, you know, approve these transactions. Sure. And, and that's how people are getting paid. And there's different security things in there that, you know, a portion of it gets burned, which is like lost forever. What about criticisms that the moving from uh, to proof of stake is making it more centralized? I've heard that. And I don't, I don't really see... Um, I don't really see the argument um, because – so the, the idea is mining is what, like, anybody can do mining. But, like, can you? Like, you need to, like you need some costs. Sure. You need to find a low energy – you know, uh, an efficient energy source, which a lot of people use renewables or, um, you know, different parts of the, the country. You need, the, you need to buy the equipment. Um, so – it's not like the people that are mining, it's pretty big mining operations. And so now it's just like now you have to have you have to have a minimum amount of uh, of ether to yeah to do um to do a node. And I think it's like thirty two coins, which 
it's what it's trading at like 1300 you know so you need like 50 to 60,000 dollars to to sort of run a node but then you can do the same thing they're doing with bitcoin and other miners you can pull your stuff together so um i don't really buy the fact that oh it's like too centralized um i i think you know you still you know, people think like, oh, I mean, it's the same way you could combine all your mining hashing power on Bitcoin network between these different pools to sort of like control the network. You can you can do the same with um, with the the either proof of stake. The difference, which actually makes it better, is they have penalties for people that are trying to like get around the network where they just like when your stuff is staked in the network, like if you're a bad actor – they just take your coins and burn them. Okay. So, like, How do they determine if you're a bad actor? Like, so I mean, there's governance that goes in, like the decentralized, where they can kind of like vote and stuff like that. But um, really, it's like you know the the whole idea around crypto is it's you know it's trustless or um, you know there's not a centralized authority that yeah. says like hey this transaction <laughs> is cur- is is good or bad. Yeah, you need the um, community. It's immu- to yeah, so you need the community to decide. So. You know, if there's, you know, if if I send a, you know, if I try to say, hey, this guy sent me this ether and I, and it didn't happen and the rest of the network says, no, no, it's still there or this guy sent this, then it just, you, there's mechanisms in there to just take those coins away and then you're punished. So you're basically, you're extremely disincentivized to be a bad actor in there and you would have to get like, you know all most of the crypto in the world sure. to kind of kind of do it and that's what i like about ether is it is large enough now and there's a big enough pool out there in different hands that it actually makes it truly decentralized however there is still that sort of component in the developing and sure. to sort of push it forward and upgrade it so that's why i like it because it's because it's the best of both worlds sure you know but that being said like I still think Bitcoin is like the gold standard too. I mean, it's basically, you know, I look at Bitcoin as like gold and, and Ether as kind of like, you know, oil slash energy. Yeah. And you want to have both in your portfolio. Do you own anything else? So I uh, I own Polygon, mm-hmm. um, which is known as a layer two um, yeah. sort of protocol. And um, so is that built on Ethereum? It, exactly. That, and it's just a way to, um, to, to facilitate, um, you know, faster transactions. So basically, you know, the layer ones are Bitcoin and Ethereum and Solana. Solana is one is, is another yeah. layer one. And um, like Cardano yeah. is, is another um, like layer one. And so um, on top of these, you know, there's only so much throughput that these um, uh, blockchains can have. So if they want to scale to become the world's supercomputer, like they have to process a large number of transactions and give me time. And that's the biggest sort of um, knock against Bitcoin and Ether is like, oh, well, like a centralized computer system can process, you know, 4 million transactions a second. And, you know, Ether can only do like, you know, you know, or Bitcoin's like 12 or something like it's um, so basically the solution is these layer twos on top of that where a lot of the microtransactions that take place, you know, I want to pay you pay somebody five bucks for a cup of coffee using crypto. Then you combine a lot of those transactions and sort of uh, the Bitcoin has the light Bitcoin has the lightning network and Ether has a whole lot of 
um, different layer twos that facilitate different things um, and sort of add features on top of that. And then the settlement layer where like it like is immortalized on the blockchain is the actual Ethereum blockchain. Are there layer threes? So, I mean, like what you would call layer three, I think would be, um, I don't know, like the the onboarding, like the actual like software companies that are out there. So you could call like um, like Coinbase or PayPal or like a, a circle and square these like as like a layer three. And they're just sort of meant to facilitate these sort of things. But at the end of the day, those are still like, you know, I'm all about decentralization. And those are still like companies that are controlled and can be like, um, censored or pressured by governments. Sure. So you really like, if you're going to truly use crypto, you don't really want to have the majority of your crypto in a, in a layer three type wallet where technically it's not really yours. It's still custodian. And I mean, the basically the way to describe it is, you know, a bank, right? So you have $10,000 in the bank at, you know, whatever bank of America, like, yeah, there's a reasonable expectation that like, you know, I can withdraw that money or I can send it across. But, you know, for whatever reason, if the government says, Hey, like I want to freeze, you know, they send a notice to bank of America, freeze this guy's account. Like they'll freeze it. Yeah. But they can't do that with Ethereum, right? They can't, um, they, they can't, if you are actually holding it in your own personal wallet. So, you know, Coinbase though, mm. and and there's varying, I guess this will probably happen, you know, there there is varying requests that they can make um, to there. And so I guess that's a legal thing that needs to be kind of worked out. I mean, so like Canada, when that trucker, um, that whole trucker thing was happening, I think in Ottawa, and they were like um, blocking stuff and then like people were raising money for the truckers to like get food and stuff like that like canada like became pretty authoritarian did on they it. seize a lot of bitcoin or so no well they tried to right so what they did i think it was and if this isn't like totally accurate definitely uh people can correct me but they started a gofundme i think and like canada was like no like don't like don't pay out that money to, like to GoFundMe or whatever, yeah. and I guess GoFundMe was like, okay, like, um, but they also like people started using crypto to do it, and um, they sent like basically seizure or like cease and desist to, to like I think it was some Canadian crypto companies yeah. that was basically like don't like take this person's money back or whatever or freeze it or whatever and the way their system was 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 decentralized and they basically were like that's not how crypto works guys like we can't you know what i mean that's kind of the whole point so you're seeing um the truly way and that's if you don't have that like ability to send money wherever then the crypto economy and the whole point of it is sort of lost. Yeah. And then you might as well just go back. So um, you, you do have to preserve those aspects of of um, of what crypto makes crypto in, in the first place, which is the government can't can't take your shit. Yeah. 
Well, it seems like they're constantly seizing it, and so it seems like I don't know. It, oh, it, it, it's like which is is it is it actually this like savior that's gonna kind of like keep the government's hands out, or is the government gonna just like find a way to get their hands in in it no matter what? Yeah, I think um, they're being very um, sort of sneaky about it. Um, but I think I honestly think at least Bitcoin and Ether has gotten big enough now that they're not going to be able to mess with it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Bitcoin, they can you can trace stuff. Right. Um, so there has been. Um, you know, some of these hacks that have happened, like ransomware, where they're like, hey, send us $10 million in in uh, Bitcoin and we'll unlock your system. Yeah. Like they can, you know, if those do get paid out, they basically like can track the addresses yeah. and they make sure. I mean, there's different ways. Yeah, like, I feel like criminals like think that they can use Bitcoin to escape. Like they think that it's private and it's not. It's like it's actually more public than than no, it is now. There, you just have to find somebody. They had that thing called Tornado Cash, where you kind of send it in, and it kind of does it around. Oh, really? Take, okay. yeah. yeah. So there's ways to get around yeah. it, um, but you know, so a lot of the, just a money laundering. It is. Like, yeah. It was, and that's basically one of the biggest sort of criticisms now, and that people think is like, hey, like you know, this is just for criminals. Like, why would well, it doesn't you know, have to be for criminals. It's just for people who don't want to give their money to the government, right? Well, and I it, think it, exactly. like that's like kind of like the broader vision of crypto in the end is this kind of like idea that the government has absolutely no access to it. But then these anything that does that, you know, anything that makes it a little bit more anonymous seems to kind of get like ostracized. Yeah. And they they want to focus on that because they want to say, oh, like criminals use this. Um, But I mean, criminals find a way to exploit every sort of technology out there so there's different definitely different ways to to put in place um to limit that but i mean criminals can transact in cash too like and and that's like sort of you know they have yeah they're trying to get rid of that too well yeah exactly so all right so um speaking of government intrusion uh or at least government kind of going after things um i know the sec is going after board a- board apes the yuga labs have you heard about this they're i don't think i've followed that yeah they're claiming they're basically saying like you know you is guys money laundering? you listed unregistered securities yeah i mean so that they're nfts right yeah. so that's which something which really is kind of like an un- unregistered security it is um in in a way i um the the I've sort of I haven't dabbled in NFTs like I'm not I don't think they're like necessarily scams but a lot of them are. Yeah. And like I I just don't understand like I mean some of the the uh, prices that some of these were like going for were yeah. just astronomical and a lot of people think yeah that they're basically like money laundering like uh you know I have a um you know, I'm gonna sell you this like big thing for 200k in in ether, and then we're gonna hold it and do it back and forth. Um, but I mean, if you compare it to art, um, like an actual physical piece of art, to me it should probably be um, treated the same as you know a painting, if sure. that's what you think. So whatever the rules apply on painting and you know an actual piece of art like i 
think you, I know that's a lot of uh, that's how people sort of wealthy people will stash their their money too with you know investing in these various pieces pieces of art and like not actually take delivery of it and and all that kind of stuff um but yeah nfts i you know i think those are still like that seems to be where like the the pump the pumpers seem to be like living now yeah i kind of like the concept of what an nft can be but i haven't seen anything yet personally that is makes me think that it has like a lot of value yeah and i think um people you know I don't know. When you, when you get down the art path, I'm like, I want something a little bit more physical. Physical or tangible, it, something you can hang up on your wall. Yeah. yeah. Like, what is art when it's, like, in a, like, yeah. it's just purely digital form? Um, I mean, I guess people do spend a lot of time Yeah. I mean, to me, space. a lot of that stuff is, and at and at and they, any art is like this, like, in the, you know, eye of the beholder, like, any sort of collectible is, like, a value placed on whatever anybody is willing to pay for it. So, like... You know, a friend of mine is really into collecting sports and, like, movie memorabilia. And, you know, someone who really likes the Baltimore Orioles is willing to pay, you know, $50,000 for a game-used Cal Ripken bat or whatever. Um, And someone else is like, it's just a piece of wood. Um, But at least that's, like, something physical. Yeah. Um, the digital stuff, um, and I think like some of the better people are using um, sort of like other real world like perks that are attached to it. So on the NFT realm, like the idea of um, allowing artists to collect royalties through that like seems kind of intriguing. So like a um, I, I think like ticketing will probably be like I could see that being a big thing when. Um, you know, when, when Chris Rock got punched in the face at the Oscars or whatever, was it the Oscars? Yeah. Um, you know, he, he like, he apparently like his, his tickets were like, like went up four times on. Sure. But like, he doesn't get any, but on the from secondary that. market, you know, yeah. his, yeah, he, he didn't get any. So he had a retail, his retail tickets was like 150 bucks or whatever. It was sure. still like a lot, but then like. People are like, oh, I want to go to Chris Rock now because, you know, he's probably going to say something about this or whatever. And so they go on to StubHub or whatever and they buy it, you know, for there. And StubHub makes some money. And obviously, like, Chris Rock had made his money with the initial sale. Yeah. But when stuff like that's happened, if you have an NFT attached where you're like, hey, every time this particular digital asset changes hands, like the originator, which in this case would be like Chris Rock or the artist, Gets X would percent. get like a percentage of it. And so that then, like the whole idea of scalping actually becomes like a positive for the artist Mm -hmm. where is like, you know, you don't, you know, it just kind of seems like, um, you know, you're trading off of someone's like art or name and, and not, you know, you know, giving anything back to them. So I think that's where it can really be a benefit. And then you can also just be like, Hey, like how's a collectible ticket here? Like you actually, if you own this, you get 10% off like, the next show I have. Yeah, the next I, I kind piece. of like NFTs as like a membership thing. Yeah, um, that yeah. gives you kind of perks. I have a friend who I don't know if it's an NFT or what it is exactly, but he's basically part of like a crypto like commune, and he he has it's like he basically pays these membership fees and it gives them him access to like uh, like certain living spaces which change over time and like the community like will vote on like where they're going to like they'll rent an Airbnb or they'll like okay. rent a camping ground and camp out and they like provide food for people and they. 
they vote on things. So, and the the membership is in, in an NFT. I don't know if it's an NFT or what. I it's know that it is. Thing, yeah. I know that he pays for it with Ether. So like I don't know. Right. It's like a month, okay. And maybe. it's a monthly fee. And if you don't pay the fee, then it goes back up, up goes on like in, an auction block, yeah. and someone else can get it. There's a lot of interesting um, things that are happening, and I think a lot of them, a lot of them won't like play at like you know won't actually have some future but i mean the way i look at it is you know this is the new like dot com area era so going back into the dot com you have you know the whole pets.com and all these like just a random website being worth like tens of millions of dollars that didn't even have a product and people were like oh yeah but and most of them you know 95 percent of them crashed but you know, Amazon was launched in 1997. They're still around. And the next wave, like Google came out, I think in 2004, 2005, yeah. which was like in the rubble of the dot-com. Yeah. And they're, you know. I mean, Apple was trading around that time. Microsoft was trading right. around that time. And the if you look at the, the discounts and what you could have bought those stocks in right. at at that time, right. it would be insane. So, yeah. I mean, that being said, like, you know, <laughs> people were buying. I mean, I remember because that's when I like sort of really got involved in programming and stuff was during the first dot com and it was you know people were like oh yeah you gotta buy this mci worldcom like you know it was the same sort of thing like random people at the grocery store talking about what stocks to buy and uh, yeah. who who what do they do who cares like they're they were up you know 100 percent yesterday um so that's kind of what you're seeing in the in the crypto space um but there is some value to the underlying technology um but the majority of it is is garbage. Sure. And, um, you know, so that's why you sort of need to actually, like, follow someone that researches and, like, knows about the technology and, um, and sort of uh, can help you kind of navigate that. And that's, you know, one area that, you know, we do, same as stocks, you know, help, help. I mean, the same thing with stocks. Like, there's a lot of fucking shitty companies out there, too. Yeah. And so no one has time to go through all of them and try to... The stock market is out. complicated enough, and then crypto is, like, a whole different oh, yeah. level. I feel like it's definitely something you need to have someone who's able to break it down for yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, especially just the regulation aspect of it. And that's why I don't really mess around with the Doge coins and the so-called meme coins is just like, cause I like to really learn about the technology. But I mean, that being said, just because the technology is good, doesn't mean it's going to be a good investment. So, I mean, I think a lot of the, the winners out of this will be actual public companies that have stock that leverage crypto to a certain extent i mean the sure. biggest one is obviously coinbase like coinbase is actually like i think coinbase is a great investment yeah. like especially it's gotten crushed but they you know they had first mover advantage they have a ton of like you know cash that they still have on hand and um do you, do you think that the banks have any time to catch up i saw that fidelity had opened up uh they're going to start trading ether or like let their mm-hmm. customers start trading ether soon and they're like the fifth largest asset manager in the world can can they basically just kind of like suck up Coinbase's business by you being know, like, you know what, you guys can trade it now, and why would you, you know, why would I sign up for a Coinbase account when I already yeah, have? Yeah, it's kind of interesting when you have like old world players go into the new technology space. I mean, I just I look back at the dot com like Blockbuster could have easily, and they tried to like 
get do what Netflix did. Yeah. You know, they tried to like super late. Well, but... that's kind of what what's happening with GameStop, I feel like, is that they they started to like they're like, "Oh, we're going to do NFTs now," but it's like you or you own all this retail space, yeah. it's becoming useless and that's just going to become a liability. So Yeah, it... they've just been creative at like holding off on like their dying, you know, business yeah. in, in my opinion. So it's very and that's not to say that like banks are going to like just be supplanted by the new companies like you know Coinbase and um, you know Binance and these like crypto exchanges, um, but it's just like you know being an old world legacy company, it's just it's very hard to. That's why a lot of them just kind of acquire mm -hmm. a, a company to do that. So um, although I mean banks got so much like you know, resources to do that. And, um, but I do think the banks will probably get in more on the institutional end. Um, you know, you were talking about this new, like, um, potential, like law that's being passed about like modernization, the of, retirement modernization act. Yeah. Right. And so I, you know, right now, um, I think either, I don't know if it's like just pension, like requirements or something, but very few pensions and these guys that manage these big funds like either are allowed to or capable of investing more assets into crypto. I think it's like less than a percentage. Sure. Less than 1%. So even I think a lot of um, them want to increase that to maybe at least like 5%. Yeah. So if you think like all these pension funds or anything like are just able to in, you know, go from 1% to 5% yeah. uh, in their like sort of digital or like, you know, non-traditional investments, there's going to be like a flood. Yeah, because you have trillions of dollars uh, yeah. tied up in people's 401ks that like they might want to put it in crypto, but they're not like they're not going to because right. they can't. Right. And I think most, um, most people, the consumer is a little bit weary of the whole idea of you know, managing their own uh, crypto account on Coinbase and, yeah. and, and stuff like well, it's a that. Pain, it's a pain in the ass. It is. And it is. You hear stories like about like, oh, like you lose your private key, like it's gone. Like the guy, like, you know, still looking for his, uh, his sure. hard yeah, drive. You have, and a, it, you have a house fire. Yeah. You know, what happens? What yeah. happens then? So there's different ways I think um, you can do it, but your average person is gonna if they just want a small exposure and they're not like super you know like i'm like super into into that stuff i actually met with a financial guy last year and like i was telling him about the accounts and he was like you're way overweight in crypto yeah and i was like yeah i probably yeah. but like i'm yeah. i'm good um and um so I did end up taking a little bit more off the table then, which was good because I mean it was it was it was pretty high back then. But um, the majority of people, you know, if their you know financial person is able to say, hey, yeah, we have this fund, and you know, five percent of the assets are going to be in crypto, like it's just going to help their returns if they're if they're investing it wisely. Yeah. So. All right. Anything else? No, I'm I'm glad I could come on here and talk about crypto. I uh it's one of the few areas that I enjoy uh researching and learning about and I I do think like it's going to be like in 10 years 
like it's going to be one of these things where, you know, now the Internet is, you know, just everywhere. You can't imagine our lives without it. Um, smartphones, like it's a technology that is still um, uh, being like sort of worked out, but it's going to be um, a net positive, I yeah. think, for, um, you know, the world and allow for a lot more like financial freedom for people um, using stuff like micro, you know, micro payments and just varying degrees. I think um, it, it's, uh, you know, it's going to be uh, it's going to be huge. And so I'll just say with buy Bitcoin and not, Ethereum, not financial <laughs> advice. Yeah, not financial <laughs> advice, but yeah, buy Bitcoin and, and Ether. All right. See you all next time. <laughs>